Hi, I'm Valerie, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetics industry. This is episode 336. I'm your host, Valerie George, and with me today is Perry Romanowski. Buongiorno, Perry. Hello, Valerie. This is me in the flesh, not an AI. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. On today's show, we, ourselves, our own voices, our own thoughts, our own minds are going to answer questions about, is there a way to improve the appearance of large skin, of skin with large pores? Why is my HA product causing pilling? Can you combine copper peptides and vitamin C? And can sunscreen simply stop working? But first, our chit chat. Yeah, you, you're you tired because you just got back from Italy. How was Italy? I did. You know, it was great weather, fantastic weather. It was supposed to thunderstorm and rain every day. It did not, um, although nice. it did in the distance. And uh, the work part of it was great, but I had the worst travel luck of my life. It was pretty bad. Wait, I usually have bad travel bad luck, luck, but this takes the cake. Mm-hmm. They lost your luggage or something? What did not happen? Don't even oh. get me started. Well, <laughs> oh my. first my flight got canceled uh, due to oh, a strike. Okay. And then on the uh. way to the train station, because I was like, I'll just take a train to my connecting airport. My driver hit a pole. We got caught what? in a hailstorm. I made the train. They actually didn't have my ticket at the airport. I missed my flight. It, what? Plus 50 other things. Oh, my. That, that sounds like a nightmare. And... <laughs> You're out of whack from the time thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm having a hard time adjusting back wow. to U.S. time. But neither here nor there, I saw you got some new porch kitties. I did. I was. Uh, I woke up early the other day to get, you know, feed the cats, probably like 5.30. And I looked in the corner, and there was just this pile of four kittens uh, curled up. Oh, just looking. I I went over and I I inspected them. I took a little picture and put it up on my uh, Instagram feed. I saw so one has anybody... a multicolored face. Yeah, Captain Marble. He's got a little marbly face. The rest oh. of them look black, I think, but there might be colors. But they walk. They they're so cute. They kind of like wobble along, so they can barely <laughs> barely stand. But uh, I haven't seen much of them. Just that was that one day. So I'm gonna have to catch them and get them adopted out. Uh, before they have more kittens. <laughs> oh, so cute. Uh, well, speaking of animals, I think this weekend we might get some more doggies, but we'll see. Oh, really? Well, that's exciting. Yeah, we'll see what the shelter has. Uh, by the way, earlier we did mention our real own voices on the podcast. Do you want to tell people what we were referencing? Right, because uh, I had discovered this... AI where you can take samples of your own voice and then you can just type in text and it'll make you say whatever the text is. And so there are samples of both uh, Valerie and me. And in future shows, like if we're not here, we might just do (laughs) the AI versions and people may be none the wiser. Although I will say at the end of every show, we will say if we're using an AI but we shouldn't really have to do that. We can usually find time to get together, right? I, I don't think we're going to do it. I'll tell you why. Because mm. you sent me my voice and your voice. Yeah. 
And it sounded like us, but it just sounded a little empty. In fact, uh, why don't we play a little bit of our voices? Yeah, I'm going to. Okay, here's the intro uh, that uh, is Valerie's voice. Hi, I'm Valerie, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetics industry. Yeah, that one did sound a little... uh, I sound jet lagged. It it sounded... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just, but very crisp. I was. I have to say that was only like a five-minute uh, sample of your voice, but uh, I, I thought it was quite amazing. Now my voice, I don't think is as good. Uh, but here's a sample of that one. Hi, I'm Perry, and you're listening to the Beauty Brains. Hello, and welcome to the Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetic industry. This is episode 444. Yeah, see, it was like, I speak a lot faster and a little little bit higher. I don't know. Maybe I got to train it better. <laughs> I think I only you're your own the... worst critic, but it would be cool to see oh, what it could so. do with more training. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm not sure how much useful it'll be, be you know, but because I'd rather just talk, but... <laughs> It does also get rid of the uhs and ums, and so it could make editing a lot Boy, easier. Wait, aren't they just perfect? I know. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, let's head over to Beauty Science News. Valerie, I saw a celebrity launch, I guess. Um, I, I don't would think say we had so. Her, we didn't have her on our bingo card, but... Uh, Serena Williams, tennis great Serena Williams, she's got involved with a product line. Yeah. Called so, the Will Perform brand. I actually thought this was super cute. I don't think we've mentioned it before. Maybe she was one of our predictions, or maybe we have mentioned it before. It does seem familiar, uh, but it's just hit the news. And I really think it's cute because they look like little athlete water bottles. Yeah, it. I was trying to see what kind of products these are, but they talk about topical products for relieve, cool, soothe, and rest. And it seems like they are pain relief things. Like it's a better version of Ben Gay. <laughs> I hope it smells better than Ben Gay. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we have a pain relief so, spray with lidocaine, which is an actually an over-the-counter drug. We have two pain relief roll-ons in the photo, but I think it's one product, also yeah. with lidocaine. We have a cool pain relief roll-on with menthol, which is not an over-the-counter drug. We have a nightly muscle recovery lotion and Soothe, a daily muscle soothing lotion. It seems perfect given Serena's career as an athlete, probably needing some of this support. Yeah, that makes it makes a lot of sense. It also reminds me of an idea that I once had of making a body wash with the active ingredients of Ben Gay, which was was a great idea. I used Until to use it after I went. You have to wash after your I went running parts. Right, <laughs> right. Well, I would just go running. I, I had this bottle that I made a prototype, and it I put on an extra strength body wash, and it was just in my shower, and I would just use it after running. I'd use it on my legs, you know. So spot, you know, using it in spots is fine. Well, my one friend came over, and we were playing mm-hmm. sand volleyball or something, and she went in and, and took a shower. And then I just hear this screaming come out of there because she used the <laughs> extra strength body wash all Everywhere, over. yeah. 
yeah, everywhere. And so, yeah, I kind of abandoned that project. <laughs> Lesson that. learned. Well, I have yeah. my own little story, I guess. So uh, my mentor uh, who passed away last year, may he rest in peace, was famous for writing these really detailed vendor notes where raw material suppliers would meet with him and he would tell uh, stories about the meeting and sometimes, you know, his intimate thoughts about it. And one time, no one caught this because I'm pretty sure people weren't really reading them, but I was reading through and he recounted this menthol type material that he had been shown by a raw material supplier and he recounted the hand cream he got to make for OJ Simpson for treating arthritis that was in the vein of Ben Gay. And I called him and I said, wow, that's cool. You got to do that for OJ Simpson. And I said, when was this? And he said, oh, a couple weeks before the murder. And I said, well, oh my. You know, did he ever get a sample of it? And he said, yeah, actually. Uh, but I never got feedback because then the whole thing happened. And I was just like, yeah. arthritic hand cream. Was that in the trial? I don't know. Wow. Well, he, the, he did have a hard time putting on that glove. So, so maybe he didn't use the cream. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> what else did you see? Oh, wow. Well, good luck to Serena on that uh, product launch. It's going into Walmart, so that could be big there, you know. <laughs> Lots oh, of volume sales in volume. Congratulations. Well, the other story I saw was our uh, L'Oreal. They well, they got a patent for a a wipe, uh, an applicator cloth that was impregnated with sunscreen or makeup. So Essentially, you know, a wipe that has sunscreen and you can wipe it on your face and or makeup the same way. So a, a non-woven product, they got a patent for that. That's um, interesting. So, the makeup, I could see, okay, that's interesting foundation, wipe it on your face. But to have a sunscreen, I actually didn't think that was an allowed format by the FDA. Yeah, I don't think it is allowed, although there isn't a final monograph, so... It, could just be one of those things they start selling it and they're like well it wasn't final but i i doubt they'll they'll do that but maybe they'll maybe they could do that uh in europe right they could use that in europe maybe that's an approved form there i'm not really sure uh but i don't think you'll see this in the united states it's an interesting applicator uh for sunscreen you know that you know the sprays get in your face um, they can get in your eyes. A wipe would be kind of nice because then you don't get it on your hands, but you apply it. Eh. Although on some level it does seem a little bit wasteful or a little extra packaging step that you don't really need, right? Yeah, and wipes are, um, you know, meant to be uh, impregnated with the light fluid. Sunscreens tend yeah. to be thick and intrinsically greasy feeling. So it'd be interesting to see how it played out. I bet you there's no real product space opportunity for this, but more so they're just covering it to cover it and so that they own the intellectual property and someone else doesn't. Yeah, and if the next 20 years, no one can really launch a product like this, and and so unless they come out with it, uh, it, it'll probably just stay on the shelf, which a lot of L'Oreal patents do. A lot of patents in the beauty industry actually do. They just get a patent on something and just so nobody else can do it, and they kind of squat on it, kind of like we're doing on our TikTok for the beauty brains. <laughs> oh, my God. I think you just like to say the word squatting. <laughs> I do. I do. Well, let's answer some beauty questions. 
All right, I'll take the first question. Patricia says, is there a way to improve the appearance of skin with large pores which frequently get clogged? I think so. I mean, I don't think there's a way to permanently reduce your pore size or shrink your pores per se, but I think right. the key phrase is improve the appearance of. Yeah, so this seems like the, the kind of the standard things you can do is, first of all, you know, keep your skin clean. Yeah, I think washing in the morning and the night is pretty helpful for that. And using an exfoliator is, is going to be helpful. I would even recommend a BHA exfoliator. And this is because, although some people will say, well, technically salicylic acids and AHA, let's just, you know, speak for common knowledge with people that it's a BHA. Sure. Salicylic acid is affinitive for the inside of your pores helps reduce inflammation, and helps reduce sebum production, and it even has efficacy at a neutral pH. So I probably would recommend a salicylic acid-type solution for your face frequently. Now, another thing you could do, of course, is use makeup to cover the pores so they don't look, so they don't look like pores anymore, right? I like that. Uh, what would you think of maybe using a non-comedogenic product. I'm prompting you for a diatribe here. Uh, well, I mean, maybe you can do that. Uh, <laughs> you of don't have you to should. be nice to me. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, the whole notion of something being non-comedogenic, of course, you don't want to use things that are comedogenic, but most products on the market are going to be non-comedogenic, except exactly. in individual... In individual cases, though, some person might be get a reaction to some chemical that nobody else really gets reaction to. It's very personal, right? Um, whenever we, whenever they were doing comedogenicity studies, you know, some things, some people would react to certain chemicals, and other people wouldn't. So then it's kind of a percentage game, right? So nothing is comedogenic to everybody, and there's probably. I guess there are probably some things that are non-comedogenic to everybody, but uh, not probably not everything. And I would also say it's hard to look at a product and know if it's going to be comedogenic based on the ingredients because while something can be comedogenic, it's all about the dose. And the way it's put into a formulation, there are so many nuances. Uh, don't judge a book by its cover. So use some trial and error and check out your experiences. Yeah, and the other thing is, uh, of course, use sunscreen because uh, that'll uh, avoid damage. So that'll avoid uh, the appearance uh, becoming your. That'll avoid your pores uh, looking more. Uh, well, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Inflamed. More <laughs> inflamed, right? Uh, so you know, it's using sunscreen is always a pretty good idea. Yeah, it's a good idea anyway. Um, one thing that I had an esthetician before, she was awesome, uh, excellent at extractions. She always advised to take an ice cube and massage your face with it after cleansing every day. Huh. And that would just feel good? No, I think uh, it helps contract the skin, and also the mm. ice helps exfoliate some of the dead skin off. Her skin looked amazing, and she said huh. that was her secret, so... I bet you people who are in Antarctica have fabulous skin, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry, my computer froze. What'd you say? 
I bet people who are in Antarctica have fabulous skin. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, maybe it's, it's probably pretty dry there, so, so maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably not worried about pore size there. <laughs> pore size. All right. How about we move on to our audio question? This one comes to us from Lisa. Hi, Beauty Brains. This is Lisa from Portland, Maine. Love, love, love your show. Both of you are fabulous. Anyway, my question is, I've been using the Ordinary's Hyaluronic Acid 2% plus B5 for the past couple of years now. Lately, though, I've been noticing that when I apply my final layer to my face, which is my SPF face cream, I get like a, a pilling that comes off. It's almost like dead skin sloughing off. What is going on? What gives? And no, my hyaluronic acid is not old. It is within uh, the date range. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Valerie, have you ever had this pilling problem? I have. It mostly occurs when you layer products or you're using a product that has a high quantity of a uh, thickener or film former or type of gum in there. And so two things could be happening. One, you have a sunscreen that has a ton of a uh, sugar or starch or gum or thickening agent in the water phase to help stabilize the sunscreen. And when it dries, it creates this even film on the skin. And so when you rub it and apply friction, you can kind of peel this uh, gummy layer off of your skin but this would happen if you used the sunscreen alone versus layered over other products. Sure, the sure. second thing that could be happening is there's some kind of interaction between the two products that you're using. So in the case of your sunscreen, it might have a thickener in it, but it's interacting with the hyaluronic acid, which is also a polymer in the serum that you're using. And so you have these two yeah. polymers laying over each other, and when you rub, they... Uh, grab onto each other and ball up. Yeah, so that pilling stuff, the the stuff that you actually feel that comes off the skin, it, it's not actually skin. It's actually polymer from your products. Uh, your your products, ideally, it'll dry down and form an invisible film. But when you put two films on top of each other and then you mix in a little moisture, that can sort of make it ball up like a little piece of piece of gum or something and and that's what you're getting it's one of the oldest tricks in the book actually Uh, you know it seems like a negative but there's uh, companies that have turned this into a positive and actually created the mechanism behind these dead sea peeling products if you've ever been at the mall and companies will say oh let me show you how much dead skin you have you should buy my cream Um, and they'll show you right then and there all this like balling up of your skin and you're like, holy cow, I had so much dead skin on me. Um, but it's actually this old, uh, polymer trick. (laughs) Yeah. That reminds me of the trick where they do with hair, where they comb hair backwards. And so that lifts up the cuticle and then you see all this flakes coming off and they say, oh, look at all this buildup on your hair. (laughs) But in fact, they're just peeling off the cortex. Ah, some tricks to sell beauty products. <laughs> so what do we have for Lisa? Like a solution to this, I guess could be... Don't use them together. 
don't use them together. Yeah. Or yeah. Unfortunately, wait. there's really nothing you can do because even if you let yeah. them dry, you'll still get this interaction when you uh, create the friction with your fingers. Yeah. That's right. You could try the opposite order. Uh, you know, put one before the other, and maybe mm. you don't get that interaction. But it's probably the only solution. Really, is going to be don't use them together. Exactly. Well, let's head on to our next question, which comes to us from a Patreon. Oh, Lorena. Thank you, Lorena, for being a patron. And if you want to support the show and keep us ad-free, go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe. And guess what, Valerie? I'm gonna, I added a new feature going forward uh, that only patrons can get. You know what that is? What's that? I'm going to start putting transcripts of the show on Patreon. Nice. Yeah. So For those who look, like to read for instead that. of listen. If you like to read, yeah, yes, uh, you'll be able to get a, a transcript. It even when you when you giggle, it'll even it'll even trans, translate that. So you get all <laughs> oh of that. Oh my gosh! So, so oh goodness. that's a little extra thing we're going to try out now. Well, but I let's did get to call Lorena a Patreon instead of a patron. And I'm very sorry about that. I'd like to blame the jet lag. Okay. <laughs> jet lag score two. All right. Here's one about copper peptides and vitamin C. She says, I think you mentioned this in an episode previously, but could you please review which one not to mix with vitamin C? Niacinamide or uh, Buffett Plus copper peptides from the ordinary and also which ones not to mix with tretinoin thank you so i think she's asking about mixing of active ingredients yeah she is so niacinamide i generally don't think there's anything you shouldn't mix it with it's pretty benign um some people do get sensitized to it uh, but that doesn't necessarily have to do with mixing. Some people just are really prone to sensitivity uh, with niacinamide. And usually niacinamide is used in low quantities, unless you're using a 10, right. 15, 20, or 30% uh, niacinamide serum, which I don't recommend. Uh, there was one study in 1963 that said don't mix niacinamide with vitamin C, meaning ascorbic acid, because they're right. too complex together when they're put into the same uh, formula. However, if you were going to layer the two over each other, that's not really a big deal. The issue really is in storage. In fact, niacinamide actually prefers a neutral pH, so a pH of 6 right. to 7, whereas most vitamin C serums have to be kept at a low pH. So I would say buy the two separately, but you can layer them on skin. When it comes to copper actually, peptides... I, I just, oh, go ahead. Th- Actually, this goes back to that last last question and why uh, the difference here is that the ascorbic acid or the niacinamide, that's actually going to penetrate the skin. And so when you put one one on top of the other, you're actually putting it on top of skin and the ingredient has already penetrated, whereas those film formers, they stay on the surface of the skin. And so that's why there's a, a interference. But it, when you're talking about active ingredients like this, they're, they're supposed to penetrate the skin to some extent. So you're not actually mixing them directly together. Yeah, that's actually a really great point. But what about copper peptides? Copper peptides are really cool because they have been around since the 70s. And there's a lot of mixed information on 
the internet from dermatologists even where some say it's okay to intermix them and some say not to. And I'm of the opinion as a cosmetic scientist that I wouldn't necessarily worry about mixing peptides with other actives. The thing that I wouldn't worry about it either. Yeah. The thing that people don't like about mixing copper peptides with vitamin C is that irritation could be of a concern because the copper could interact with the vitamin C. Well, fortunately for us, uh, this canceling out effect or, or interaction doesn't really happen because the copper ion that is attracted to the peptide is really affinitive for it. So it's not going to dissociate yeah. from the peptide and cause copper toxicity in the skin. It's not going to um, interact with the vitamin C per se. Uh, and I actually once contacted a manufacturer of a copper peptide um, and they were confused at why I was asking them this question because they really couldn't even see why um, it would be an issue. There is uh, a lot of research that copper peptides are not necessarily irritating for the skin. So people will say, oh, both can be irritating, don't do it. But there's a 2016 research article in Nature that showed no irritation potential with uh, copper peptides. So I would be surprised, I would have been surprised if a copper peptide would be irritating to skin. It's just because it's it's part of skin already, you know? Yeah, and it's been um, used in regenerative wound healing, so I yeah. wouldn't really worry about that. Now, tretinoin's a big deal because this is actually uh, an active um, drug within skin, and it has the retinol-type activity to it, and yeah. this can be irritating to skin. So I definitely would not do any of these on the same night as you are applying tretinoin or if you're taking uh, tretinoin orally, uh, which I think is a route you can also take it. I probably would skip some of these items just because you don't want to do too much to your skin if you're on a retinoid. Yeah, generally when you're on a prescription drug like tretinoin, you don't want to mix that with non-prescription actives. Uh, you know, it's better when they test drugs; they test them pretty much uh, the pure ing- uh, ingredient by itself. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to test it mixed with all these other things. And so the effectiveness is generally done on just the ingredient itself. And we don't know what happens necessarily when you start mixing it with all of these other ingredients or these natural extracts. Uh, you know, anything can happen. It's a complicated system. So it's best to, at least for a prescription drug product like tretinoin, to have that as the only active in the product. Uh, mixing things like niacinamide and copper peptides seems okay to me. Uh, in truth, I, I think you're going to have a hard time noticing whether the ingredients are deactivated or not because you'll have a hard time noticing whether they're working or not <laughs> anyway <laughs> whether they're deactivated so there he is there he yeah, is yeah there he is <laughs> so uh you know don't worry about that kind of mixing but i wouldn't mix with uh, prescription drugs exactly well we have time for one more question because i have to hit the hay you do, and uh, thank you for your yeoman effort, uh, staying up and uh, answering some questions staying with us. Staying up to 7 p.m. <laughs> there there I made you it. go. Well, the last one comes to us from Lindsay. Why don't you take this one? I have read sunscreen expires or loses effectiveness. My question is, 
Does a SPF 50 turn to SPF 30 or does it just not work anymore? I hate to throw out sunscreen if it's an SPF 50 because I'm hoping it still has some protection. Also, if the bottle is unopened, sealed, unexposed to air, does it matter if it's old? Can I still use it? This well, is a perfect are... question for you, Perry. <laughs> this is. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I reached into my golf bag and I pulled out my sunscreen that I've been using. The old golf bag mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's been what, did my, it have an expiration I, I, date of 2009? No, 2019. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you just shake it up and it still works, uh, which demonstrates that at least there's still some activity uh, with a product like that. And it's be, I think it's mainly because I'm using a zinc oxide one. Mm. And so if zinc oxide is, or titanium dioxide, if those are the active ingredients, they're not going to tend to break down over time just by themselves. There's no real chemical reactions that are happening in the solution. And so if it's in a bottle where it's uh, protected mostly from the sunlight or the heat, then it's not going to degrade as much. Now, I will say the that's the active part of it isn't going to degrade, but you know what will degrade? The ability for the product to create a proper film. And so what mm. might happen is the zinc particles will, whereas they used to spread out nicely in this film and you've got this overall protection, they might start to glob together. Uh, you know, the, the emulsion yeah. starts to combining. Yeah, agglomerate. Okay, you could use the science word. <laughs> <laughs> So they they come together. So now what you're putting on your skin is the the particles are not spread out as evenly, and so you're not getting even protection. And so reality is, I shouldn't use that product. I should have thrown it out a couple of years ago and and got a new one. I mean, sunscreen's not that expensive, is it, Perry? Well, I just don't think of it. But at least I'm putting you, you something have, on, right? You have to put the money towards the porch kitty food. Yeah, that's right. I I, I have to do that. So as far as uh, it. SPF 50 turning into a 30, it's not exactly like that, right? No. Uh, it, it's, you couldn't, there's, there's no linear uh, degradation like that. What you're going to get is you're going to have spots where it's 50 and then spots where it's zero, and so now you're going to look like a checkerboard. You're going to look like <laughs> Captain <possibly>. Marvel. <laughs> right, <laughs> like Captain Marvel, the new little kitty with the uh, marvel banded uh, face mask or something yeah I'll have oh, to, oh he's I, not I, I can't cute. wait to I see him grow up yeah. but he is just not cute he's gonna grow into his cuteness <laughs> I, I hope he does you posted that picture and i was like ah what is that oh it's a cat <laughs> oh poor kitty well let's let's talk about the other type of sunscreens the ones with organic uh active ingredients the avobenzones and such now, in a solution, those being organic compounds, they are actually more prone to uh, chemically react and, and degrade over time. And so whereas a mineral uh, active isn't going to degrade uh, as much, the organic ones will degrade over time. And so if it's a sunscreen based on those, uh, I would take very seriously the expiration dates. Yeah, even if the molecules don't degrade, the emulsion that they're in probably destabilizes over time. And so the sunscreen ingredients are intrinsically very oily. Uh, they're not oils. 
but they're oil soluble. Right. And so they're intrinsically very oily. And so they're going to want to come back together and form a big old glob. And when you go to apply the sunscreen on your skin, it's not going to be in these little tiny droplets that can disperse evenly on the skin. It's going to be Captain Marbly um, all over your skin right. again. So even if it's not a physical particulate, you'll still have that effect and uh, maybe unpleasant to use as well. So I think if you are a few months or six months past the expiration date and the product still looks fine, I think you're okay. But if it's three years past the date, I probably would just get a new one. So you're saying I should get, uh, for the golf outing I'm going to this weekend, I should get a new sunscreen? Well, I think I think you're going to be fine because it's a physical product and you of all people would look at it and know, okay, I need to toss this, right? That, that is that is true. But I certainly do shake before use, and the emulsion still seems to hold together. It, incredibly, especially since it was like a, a drugstore brand uh, generic uh, sunscreen, <laughs> which I think are perfectly fine. Although aesthetically, they're probably a little less pleasing, but they do work. And they have to hold up to the same standards that brand name sunscreens have to. Absolutely. All right, I, I hear that music. I hear my, my bed calling me. On the next ah. episode, we're going to answer some questions from Tracy, who is a patron from Patreon, about eyebrow lamination. I'm very excited. Yeah, Tracy, we got the question. We will answer it next time. And speaking of next time, thanks, everyone, for listening. If you get a chance, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. That's going to help other people find the show and ensure we have a full docket of beauty questions to answer. And if you have a question, just record it on your smartphone and email it to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. But you know, Valerie, I thought of another thing we could do. If you send us an email, I can put it into our AI voice generator and we'll have the AI read it and pretend it's a person. That would be cool. (laughs) Maybe next time. Hey, you know what else? The Beauty Brains are on Patreon, as we mentioned. You don't hear any ads in this podcast because we don't take ad money. Uh, but we do take subscriptions to Patreon, so go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe at any level. And uh, I'm working on putting a transcript of all our episodes on Patreon, so that's a patron-only benefit. Also, follow us on our various social media accounts. On Instagram, we're at the Beauty Brains 2018. On Twitter, we're at the Beauty Brains. We have a Facebook page, page, and as Barry says, squatting on a TikTok. Yes, I can't wait till we start on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for listening, everyone. And remember, be brainy about your beauty. Thanks, everyone. Kittens!